Welcome to I Used to Know. I'm Scott. And I'm Steve. We are your hosts for this adventure into the past, where we dive into things we used to know when we were kids that are no, no longer true. Hey, Steve. Hey, Scott. Hey, so are you ready to make some more podcast sausage? Ah, yeah. Let me tell you. I did my homework again, and I went through the news, and I found some tidbits that we're going to talk about just because this is how we're going to this is how we're going to do things going forward and as how we're going to get our deep dive ideas. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing some of the things that uh, you've discovered. In fact, what I'm going to suggest is why don't you go first this time? Oh, I get to go first. You get to go first. Okay. The first thing I wanted to talk about, I know if, if, if you knew about this, but um, there uh, was a snake discovery recently <gasps> have you heard about this the lasso the lasso snakes you have heard about this yeah all right all right i i am so excited about this because it is so weird all right let me let me set the background for those of you who are listening and maybe don't know what we mean when we say lasso snakes but um snakes it turns out they figured out how to climb up poles and they do this by making their bodies into the shape of an of a lasso. So there was this research team down in, in Guam. They're from the Colorado State and University of Cincinnati. And they're trying to come up with a way to protect bird nests down there um, because uh, the snakes are getting into the trees and they're and they're attacking and eating all the Micronesian starlings. And it, 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 it's decimating the population turned out these snakes they're not even supposed to be there of course it's you know it it, it was a mistake that humans brought snakes into this ecosystem and they got out into the wild Uh, happened sometime back in the 1950s and now they're going all over the place eating all the eating all the birds so these researchers um they built these bird boxes up on top of these really tall metal poles and that way the bird can it can nest in the bird box instead of in the trees so it's going to be safer the, the snakes won't be able to get up to the bird box at least that's what they thought because one day they see a video of a brown tree snake slithering up this sleek metal pole and it did this by figuring out that it could wrap its body around the pole and make like a tiny little knot with its tail and then shimmy up the pole by just grabbing on to the pole with its lasso-shaped body. Yeah, it's <laughs> like if, if the head was the lasso and it was going up the pole, it would be like the, where the cowboy would be holding the lasso kind of thing. It would be like the head is the top. And the cowboy part is pulling up and then the loop gets bigger and then smaller and bigger and smaller as it scooches its way up. It it just scooches all the way until it gets up to the bird. And and it this just it's it's more proof that that nature will find a way. It doesn't matter what we're gonna try to do, you know, but that that somehow nature figures out how to get around obstacles. And this is this is in (laughs) Goldblum. <laughs> I am I, I am currently pouring little drops of water down my hand, uh, Jeff Goldblum style. That's a uh, Jurassic Park reference. Jurassic Park, um, yes, yes. But uh, but that 
that story I brought here today because we always like to try to tie things back to what we used to know when we were kids. And I tell you, Scott, when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but I hated snakes. I, I, I had, I had a paralyzing fear of snakes and I am going to bet that a lot of people out there listening when they were kids also hated snakes. Right. I, I don't know if you remember mowing the lawn. You're out there. Oh, gosh, right? yeah. Our, our dads would be like, Oh, go out and mow the lawn. Right. And don't come back in until it's done. I'm out there mowing the lawn and out of the corner of your eye, you see like a little flash of green and brown and it like slithers away. And for the rest of the lawn, while I'm going back and forth and back and forth, I am just panicked that I am going to get attacked by not one, but by an army of snakes that I am sure is out there in the tall grass. Oh, let me tell you about snakes. So first of all, my, my daughter is a fan of snakes. She likes them. She's so, a, I, I would never have guessed that a fan yeah. of snakes. Yes, I am not. Um, okay. I'm, I'm in the camp where, where you are, where they would startle me, though I have a uh, respect for them. I understand where they, they are in the circle of life. Right. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, they, in fact, growing up, we had a giant black snake that was, uh, that declared our property was its own. Uh, that, that, we, that we, we named him Irving. So Irving would, would, would move around and, uh, you know, we would j- chase him off the lawn, but I mean, he was huge. He was like six feet, five feet, six feet. He was huge. Irving the black snake. That's yeah. like, that's amazing. Yeah, he was huge. He was huge, but very docile. I, my dad even caught him once. Speaking of lasso, he, he had a pole with a lasso and like lassoed the, the head of Irving and Irving, yep. uh, and grabbed his tail and dragged him into the woods once. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> snake, the metal rod. snake wranglers. Yeah, yeah, that I, that was that's a bridge too far for me personally, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for for me, I just want to keep my distance, and if I if I wind up getting too close to a snake, you know, uh, like hiking or camping, you're always running into snakes. Well, you and, you almost stepped on a rattler in uh, Thelma, if you remember. I, yeah, we were, I, I, was it a rattlesnake or a copperhead? I thought it was, that was a copperhead. A, no, it was a rattle. We heard the noise. So you, ah. we, we were walking through, and you stepped down, and there was a snake, and there was a quick hear of the rattle. And I've never seen a person – I've seen cats, yeah. like, leap straight up <laughs> five feet, uh, yeah. just straight without even having a – they just boom. That was you. That was, uh, boom. You. you were – you you recounting that story right now is just putting a, a dose of adrenaline into my system. Like I can I can feel that shock that happened that day. I mean yeah. I mean snakes are bad. When you, you start talking about poisonous snakes, now now you now now it's a whole different game. And you know this is a great story because you're talking about it over here in Guam, and and honestly, I remember when I went to Hawaii, the same problem. It shows you how we thought of things back then. Same problem in Hawaii, right? Which was um, we had the, I think they had the nays. I think it was nays, which are these birds that are actually ground birds. They put their eggs yeah. on the ground because they had no natural predators to eat their eggs. And then I think it was like snakes got on the island. And so then they came up with the idea of, well, let's bring in mongoose to get rid of the snakes. But of course the mongoose are like nocturnal and the snakes were diurnal. <laughs> And so the two shall never met. Tonight got two problems. Uh, you know, 
it, it's it's something like that some crazy story like that and i suspect yeah. there's lots of islands with such a concern yeah the so, so the, the snakes and the and the mongoose would only meet up on like a daylight savings time you know the yeah. spring ahead day fallback yeah. day the day they have to they the day they had to spin the egg right was it equinox <laughs> but the, be able to spin the egg on the end they got together to celebrate yeah i i will tell you though one other thing that happened growing up is we saw go by my house the what i would consider to be one of the creepiest things mm -hmm. um was a migration of garter snakes a migration yeah there must have been over a hundred of them over a hundred snakes oh um, and they're all moving together like in a pack yeah yeah, oh. so they came oh, so they came down onto the driveway, crossed the driveway into the front lawn, moved moved across the front of the house and up the next little hill. And uh, and you saw you we were on the porch watching like I said a hundred of these things like slithering its way past our house. <laughs> and you stayed on the porch? I would I would be on the roof. A hundred snakes. That is I the was because apocalypse. Well, well. So that my take was, I wanted to know where they all were, right? Because if if all of a sudden, if I see all these snakes, now I got to worry about the rest of my life. Are there any hiding in my house, right? So yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna watch them and make sure I see them all just leave. Yeah. <laughs> Guard the door. And Very honestly, smart. snakes. The thing about snakes for me was is more so the the surprise they give you. Yeah, and, and not as much as when I see them. When I see them, it's like, oh, it's you. But in fact, the joke around my house here, where we live now, is that I talk to them and tell them to leave. So when I would be mowing the lawn or something, I'd see a snake and be like, oh, really? Come on, go, go, mm -hmm. go. And they typically look at me and then they kind of wiggle off into the woods. And uh, you they are can the be a snake whisper. They can be. Uh, well, my my daughter says I'm I'm in the house of Slytherin, I guess. So. Uh, <laughs> so you can speak to snakes that yeah but but um yeah so so that's what um you know so now let's see how would we tie this into some history stuff how would we tie this into history well we, we could talk about the um you said that like the, the nay nay thing and those things where they ended up going on and humans got rid of them by messing things up even worse right right there's a, the, the the spread of uh, uh of snakes throughout uh, the world even in places where they 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 yeah, oh, weren't Florida. supposed to be yeah we could go into you know it's florida we, we talk about uh, aren't there like giant snakes in the uh sewer system of new york city or anacondas that have been you know uh, dropped into the swamps of yeah I don't, Orleans? I don't i don't think about new york but they have a big python problem in florida yeah right because yeah. florida that they there's no killing frost like one of the one of the rules of my life is that i will always live where there's a killing frost <laughs> at least at least you get a fresh slate let the frost come in yeah everything's it, dead it knocks everything down and then you know Start i over. like that i like that otherwise you get you know creatures that you may not you know alligators start showing up pythons you know um, yeah. quote yeah all meadow bugs which are actually roaches <laughs> a good, I, I a good killing frost takes care of a lot of that Let's put this on the on on the uh, on the short list because hey, there's a lot we could talk about. We could talk just uh, about the, uh, you know, the, the snakes in either fairy tales or culture. We could talk about uh, you know, you know the, the fear of snakes or uh, the, there was always that kid in your class who would be like the the one to go and pick up a snake in the playground and like carry it around. 
Yeah. Um, all right. So the, the, as, as much as uh, as the people are scared of it, the people are fascinated by snakes, right? Like your daughter, right? So uh, yeah. So yeah, I think I think there's uh, there's there's some content in there that we could dive into. Well, so if you're, are you done with your topic? Because it's I, funny, you are actually giving me a lead into mine. Yeah, let's let's go into into yours. What do you have? All right, so uh, we talk about the news. I, I started looking around, trying to go into topical items, and and as we all know, here in January of 2021, we are still fighting the pandemic of COVID-19. And I found an article discussing about playgrounds and whether they're risky or not for COVID-19. Oh, and I mean, yeah. Um, and you just mentioned like that kid running around the playground with the snake. So it's interesting because <laughs> here we are about playgrounds. Um, <laughs> now you're and, at this playground, you have to worry about snakes and COVID-19. It's, yeah, it's exactly. double whammy. <laughs> exactly. So, so the and this article was from uh, NPR was publishing it. Uh, it's actually re- kind of regurgitating a lot of CDC discussion, um, but it's basically talking about how playgrounds risks are probably not as high as we were fearful of in the early days, and that they bring a lot more benefit now than than concern if you're careful. With, if you're uh, careful, yeah. If you're careful, it can be dangerous out there in a playground. Yeah. So there's an interesting infographic that came with this, and, and they have a picture that says, you know, the, the risk of picking up a virus from surfaces is lower than you uh, they originally thought. Um, okay. But there's still some risks. And funny enough, the picture they put on it is like that scene from uh, A Christmas Story where they put their tongue onto, like, the frozen pole. <laughs> and it's like, uh, don't do that. Yeah. No, don't don't do that for many reasons. Uh, don't do that because uh, you'll you'll freeze your tongue to the pole if it's cold, and don't do that because you could get COVID nineteen or or other things. I mean, the we talked about the ice the um, icicles. I mean, uh, all the same stuff that's in an icicle would be sitting on that pipe. <laughs> so good, good point. I, I, as much as it is good advice not to lick a playground, I'm gonna go off on a limb and say it's good advice not to lick anything. That's public. Public. Yes. Yeah. That's not yeah. a good idea. St- stick with the forks and knives. And stuff. <laughs> so, so that was what the uh, the guidance of the article was. Just don't lick the pole. <laughs> well, no, they got more. So they oh, they tell okay. you to try not to go there during crowded times. Uh, make sure uh, you wear you know a mask when you're with others. Uh, yeah. Make sure you bring disinfectant wipes and kind of wipe down the the stuff you're going to play with. Oh, Always really? be safe. Yeah, they suggest you go out there and just kind of wipe it down. And then clearly after you uh, are playing or throughout the time of playing, keep disinfecting your hands. Like, you know, uh, use hand sanitizer and stuff so oh, that yeah, you don't important. accidentally. Yeah, because, I mean, the worst part is that even if you did get it on your hands, you're, you're probably safe, right? It's just a matter of when you inadvertently touch your eyes or nose or mouth or something. Uh, you know, yeah, you do it without even thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. So just keep washing your hands or disinfecting your hands throughout the event, and that you should be uh, pretty fine. And it reminds everyone that that um, how different things are. Because when we were growing up, what we used to know, right, is that seventy-one percent of of us parents uh, of today, um, they, we played outside as a kid. Um, Man, but only was... 21% of our kids go out and play often outside. 
Oh, is it that different? I didn't yeah. realize that. Oh, that's yeah. like that's like a mirror image. Yeah, yeah, and I think more than a whole... seventy. Yeah, seventy-one to twenty-one. Wow. Yeah. yeah, times are different. Times are different. Times are different in in a lot of different ways from a safety perspective. Uh, but I would also point out that times are very different in the equipment that that these playgrounds. Some of these playgrounds are amazing. Oh yeah, I, I drive by as a grown man. I drive by some of these playgrounds, going, "Oh, I wish we had something like that 30 years ago. Something to climb around on." Some of these things look like giant play castles. It's amazing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the where my brother-in-law lives, the town near there, uh, and where our friend uh, Eric lives, that actual town. Lewisburg has a giant playground factory, like a company that makes playground equipment. And they make the most amazing stuff. They've got like things that play music. They've got all sorts of stuff. It's a yeah, they have climbing walls now. And think, back, back in the day, we were lucky if we had one of those like igloo climbing things. So they're like these geodesic domes. Yeah. Remember the geodomes? I even had one growing up. Uh, in yeah. the yard. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and of course the fun part of those were like the screws like you put it together with the screws, right? And then they give you yeah. those little rubber caps to cover the ed- end of the screw that would they last maybe off. one season if you're oh, lucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and now they're just these things ready to rip your skin apart as you're climbing rusty, around. Rusty. And yeah, they're, they're, they're just like little tetanus like homes all around. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tetanus dome. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and how many times you would climb up to the top in the middle and hang upside down or climb up on uh-huh. the inside. It was like, oh, and what's below you? concrete yeah, that's right black yeah, or <laughs> stone well because you know. it was easy to clean up it was just yeah. concrete yeah yeah i mean uh, nowadays uh, like you know you go there and it's like yeah there's there's uh 12 feet of rubber followed yeah. by like 90 feet of pillows followed by i mean it's like absolutely crazy you you land on uh you fall out of a piece of a playground equipment and you know you could kind of hear that that poof noise yeah land on the ground now and when we grew up it was just that big thud and the crack <laughs> of a bone <laughs> and then and then they and then the, the the crying always the crying um i think i think you are on something i i think there's a lot here because oh. we all spent a lot of time on playgrounds right that's what you did in recess um I mean, it was a part of every day and you know, there were all these different games that we played and then they and the equipment wasn't safe. Maybe the games weren't safe. There, there are a lot of things that when we look back on it today, we say, oh, my gosh, what were we thinking? Why, why would we let kids on those kind of those kind of, you know, uh, tetanus domes, for example? Just yeah. just just the idea of of a back in the day uh, seesaw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You don't have like a little tire to have a soft landing on. You just like crashed. No, you you would try to convince uh, someone that you really wanted to hurt on the other end, and then just as they got up into the sky, you would jump off. <laughs> you are you are a cruel, cruel man, boy, child. Scott. I I did not do that. I would be witness to it. I, <laughs> I was not right. a I was not a harm creator. Um, you were I was, you were an independent observer. I was uh, one that would try to be coerced onto the seesaw, but, cl- you know, looking at the physics saying, this is a terrible idea. 
<laughs> you were, even smart, even at like, five, I'm like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> you want me to sit on what and go hell high? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I like was, it. That's a that's a good idea. I also I also want to find out. You're talking about like wiping down the equipment for COVID. Like, what what about like these swirly slides and these big long bumpy slides? I mean, that's going to take a ton of Clorox wipes. Yeah, except in the summer when when the well, I guess these days they're probably not made with the same type of metal that we did. Oh, right? where they oh, they would the metal slide. Yeah, that would get so hot in the sun that it would just basically not you know. First of all, COVID would never survive because it's never. It'd be burned off because your skin was also being burned off as you I, went down. Exactly, exactly. Everyone, you know, you would think that a thousand snakes went down that slide because you'd see <laughs> layers of skin from <laughs> going down those things. A hundred and eighty degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I like it. That's a good one. That's a yeah. good one. So, all right. So, playgrounds. Right. That's our uh, playgrounds. Put it on. Yeah, put it on the list. All right, cool, I've got cool beans. I've got an, a, uh, another um, news article that I pulled up, and this one just spoke to the kid inside of me, right? And I had to double check just to make sure that this is a real thing, and it is a real thing, right? Okay. There is a Canadian company that currently, right now, as you and I are talking, they have open positions for something that they're calling part-time candyologists. Now these are candyologists. These are people that Candy Funhouse, which is this Missayuga, Ontario company, they are offering $47 an hour for people to sit and taste candy and then write down their thoughts. This is, this is a dream job. For when I was just sitting around in the house, just just chewing on some Swedish fish, just having uh, you know have, having a pig out session in front of my Saturday morning cartoons, just chowing down on candy, I never realized that I was in training for a career path. This is this is gonna go so fast. I can't imagine how many applications they must be getting and how they're going to get through all of the resumes because this this is this is easy money Scott this is <sighs> this is paying me to do something that I love anyway well i bet you though it's like they you have to have those um, you have to have that extra ability to taste really really well like you've done the tour at Ben and Jerry's right in yes. in, in, in up in, in Waterbury, Vermont. Vermont yeah and in fact, one time we met you there. I was there with my family. You were there with your family. We didn't even know. And we just and happened upon just, each other. And and by the way, we live like five hours from it, right? So, <laughs> but of course, if there's any place that we're gonna meet up by chance, it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be at the Ben and Jerry's factory tour, of course. Heck yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Ben and Jerry. So. So, but and, you, you know, when you do the tour, they're like they have people who constantly taste, and they show you that tasting room, right, where they they slice it in open, and they make sure that the any chunks are like evenly spread, and they're constantly tasting right. it. Yeah, the quality. And I always control. thought that was like the ultimate job. That, I mean, ice cream. That'd be amazing. I mean, tell yeah. you, sign like, me up. I mean, from a candy yeah. perspective, I'm not a huge candy person. Oh come on, really? I am not. No. Were you ever? I mean, I think I. Chocolate is good. I mean, I like chocolate, but honestly, candy is not my driving force. So 
I kind of look at it saying I didn't like lollipops. I don't like those. I don't. Like my what about like 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 lickamade? You know, you you stick the little the little stick into the powder and oh, then like, you like eat pixie the powder. sticks and things like we talked pixie about. Sticks. In the, yeah, no, yeah. that's not my thing. No, all this stuff. Oh, now basically, okay, well, you find the items that are delicious and terrible for your absolutely terrible for your health. Like they don't just give you a sugar rush, but they also give you cholesterol and everything else that's awful for you. Those are the things I like. I like the things like cheesecake and ice cream and all okay. those absolutely bad for you stuff. Not the ones that are yeah. just half bad. Yeah. <laughs> I go yeah, all that, the way. That is that is all the way. If, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna you know indulge, you might as well. Um, okay, well, I. I'm sorry to hear that you're not a big candy aficionado, but it makes me happy because it means that's one less person going after this job opening. So I'll have uh, that there won't be competition for my uh, for my application. Yeah. And, Although I will point out, though, that we've done some candy show already. Right. We've done. Ah, yeah. One. OK. So this is this is uh, familiar territory. But it, for those it, of you it. listening, right, I want to get this out there because we might be able to make somebody's career. <laughs> the, they right. are they are ex- they're, they're accepting applications through the middle of february so um nice i don't know how long it'll take for this to, to hit the uh to hit the interweb but um I, what if they're gonna have like spicy candy they have spicy candy i know but would they be doing taste testing of spicy candy no maybe or, I mean, or are they like disposable test testers like you know you taste one you figure you ruin their tongue and just move on you have to have a palate cleanser, like in between different pieces of candy. Then you go and you have like a like a Mary Jane or a Necco wafer. And no, that's where you go back to the out. ice cream, right? Just ice cream, ice cream. Cleanse with some vanilla ice cream and move back to it. Okay, all right. Uh, I I concede that we've already talked about candy, so. Um, but that's so a very cool move job. On. And like you said, let's. Yeah. I think we should uh, remind all of our listeners. You know, yeah. There's there's jobs like you couldn't imagine. Uh, yeah, you you want to be a, you can you can be a candyologist. Go do it. Candyologist. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. What do you, you what do you have? Uh, from mine, oh, I've got something much lighter. Oh, good. Lighter yeah. than candyologist. Yeah. Um. And, and it's uh, an article about how we've detected gravity waves. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Um. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, 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 walk me through the the lighthearted um, uh, <laughs> physics behind the gravity waves, Scott. Well, I mean, so the the thing that's happened now is we we did not know for we always theorized on gravity waves. We never, you know, we never could tell. We've de- started to detect them. Now we're getting really good at detecting them. Uh, and there's a new class of like gravity wave detectors that we have. And, uh, and they're totally picking up things like we can now even by the way it's designed because it goes, there's different detectors in different parts of the country. So you can actually now be able to triangulate against the gravity wave. They have to be very far apart to do that. Yes. yes these waves exactly. are gigantic. Yeah. So the, the short version of how they check it out, how they, they look for these uh, gravity waves, which as it's defined, it's actually waves of gravity. Like if you consider gravity is not a necessarily like that force that pulls you to the center of the earth or something, but it's a, it's actually a, it's actually a wave function. That's like you slide towards the earth because it's, you know, matter is displacing space. And so you get slid towards the earth. So, right. So it makes, you can make waves when you 
have a big matter thing happen, such as a neutron star explosion. So there was a neutron star explosion that we were able to detect where it actually happened by measuring the gravity waves and detecting where it came from. Ah, so not only are we getting bombarded by light from these exploding neutrons, from, from these stars, from we, we, uh, we're, we're not getting only bombarded by x-rays and gamma radiation and all that, but there also are these gravity disturbances that propagate through the universe and then we can we can pick those up with these these gravity wave monitors yeah which is like a laser right so essentially the short version of the way they they set this up is they shoot a laser and then they split the laser right and then it goes uh, so that the photons that leave they kind of the wave form of the laser goes shooting out to two mirrors that are really really far apart and usually about right angles to each other and then they bounce off the, the mirrors and they come back. And as long as the distances remain exactly the same, the light should go in, should uh, hit each other and stay in phase. So you, you see uh, a pattern of the laser light that's in phase. But as soon as one side gets a little shorter, they, it means one of the lights are going to be out of phase. And so you're going to see an interference pattern. And you'll know that that a length of one of those sides of the detectors got shorter, which is the part that blows my mind, right? Because it means that the distance got shorter because of the gravity wave. Yes. Or longer. Right. Or longer or both, right? Because it's a wave, right? It's kind of like an ocean wave that kind of like, you know, it goes up and it goes down and then it goes back to equilibrium, right? So there's... There's the top part and the bottom part, but then there's the middle, right? Which is where our steady state is. And so, yeah, it probably got longer and got shorter and got back to normal, <laughs> which is kind of blows your mind. And then you take it to the next step and you say, well, gravity waves are waves in time and space. They are. Which means that you're modifying, you're, you're, a, you're changing time or space so it's the distance or the time and that, that time is in the equation that's right it's all it's, it's all it's all buried inside of general relativity time to the time dilation is a, is, a, is a real thing and they've actually been able to uh to to measure this right where they they can they can take two stopwatches and they have one stopwatch that they put on a desk like at NASA, and then they take another stopwatch and they put it into, you know, you know, a rocket or uh, like the ISS for a month. Yeah, yeah, they put it, and, and and that is zooming around the Earth, right? So the difference is the speed of what's happening. Like, like, like in in relativity, it all matters how fast you are going relative to the speed of light. Now, even the ISS is not going anywhere close to the speed of light, but it's going faster than a desk down in NASA, right? Yep. So they let this go for months, and then they bring the the the, the two clocks back together, right? The, 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 they send it back down from the space station, and they compare the uh, the synchronization, synchronization of the clocks, and one is off by like a half second, because time dilation is real. These gravity waves are pulling and pushing, and the 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 einstein theory of relativity is is a real thing so as you get closer to faster speeds especially approaching the speed of light 
everything that we think we know starts to go out of the window. You can you can make time shrink. You can you can stretch out space. Um, it's it's enough to make your head hurt. So I know. And do you know what the number one the way I look at it is the the number one greatest example of time time dilation? What is the number one? GPS. GPS. All right, walk me through yeah. this. Well, because GPS satellites, there's a whole bunch of them, and they are all screaming above us. They're they're lower orbit. They're they're constantly moving around, and uh, and they're moving really really fast. But how do you determine your location on Earth, right? It's the it's that equation of like you receive a signal from space from a certain distance, so you have to do calculations based on time and distance and all that stuff that makes you figure out where you are on the planet. But meanwhile, these things are going really, really fast. They are experiencing time dilation, so much so that those cl those uh, clocks have to be reset daily on the GPS satellite. They lose 38 microseconds a day. Really? Because of time dilation. Wow. All right. So, so let me get this. All right. So the GPS satellites themselves, they're 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 geosynchronous, right? So that they're 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 zooming around with us so that they're always on the same spot. No? No, I don't believe so. I'll, I'll, I should double check. Yeah, but, I'm pretty I'm um, pretty sure. But but what's different is that they're higher up in space and they're going. They have to go in a in a much bigger circumference in an orbit than we have to on Earth as we spin around, right? And it actually shows up as a real, as a real time difference. Wow. I can see you staring at another screen because you want to I am, confirm I or know. refute my, uh, my statement about geosynchronous satellites. They operate in a circular uh, 20,200 kilometer 12-hour orbit with an inclination of 55 degrees. They are not in geostationary orbit. They're not in geostationary orbit? No. That must make things so much more confusing, right? Because now you have to uh, you have to not only know which satellites you're talking to, but then where they are and where they were and where they're going. Right, which is the reason why they're moving, right? And moving so fast. And and it's because I suspect geostationary is really far away. <laughs> and that signal would be hard for us to, 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 to smell. Like we, we can, if you think of dish TV, right? You need a dish and you aim at it and to collect the signal, it, you kind of need a dish. Yet, you know, that little cell phone of yours or Apple Watch doesn't have a dish to receive the signal. I'm no, sure it's got a little just kind of a little a, antenna. Yeah, a little phased antenna. Amplifier. Yeah, yeah, little phased antenna on it, and uh, so it must be receiving the signal much lower because it's got to it's got to be lower in order to reach us with enough strength to be felt through your car and felt through things. Right. So so yeah 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 so, so uh, GPS satellites time dilation and if we think about how this goes backwards in time right to me it's like we we should go back and talk about all the different ways that we have changed the way we travel and how speed has affected us. Like, you know, we used to know trains were going to be the fastest you can go. And what's some of the effects from that? The Doppler effect, you'd hear the 
the siren go by and change volume. Even, yeah. even back in a steam engine train. And at right. time zones. We had to come up with time zones just because now all of a sudden you had trains. Yeah, well, I mean, trains, you could say that's why we, we actually cared about time. We never cared about time until trains. I know I didn't. Yeah, but I mean, the time was really such a relative thing back then. It was just, you know, you woke up when you needed to take care of, <laughs> go to work or take care of your farm animals. There was uh, morning, evening, and night. There was a bell for church on Sunday, right? Or, or you know, for worship on the weekends or whatever days you were worshiping, there was bells. But short of that, you know, there was not really a, a need for absolute time. But then trains came and they needed to, you needed to know when they were going to arrive. They can't just happen. You know, if you want to take the train to St. Louis, yeah. you got to know when that train's going to leave. You got to know when that train's going to come. So all of a sudden now time became an important thing to know. Hence that, that old nostalgic look of, a, of the conductor pulling out their pocket watch and taking a look at the, the time to see that they're on schedule because schedules didn't matter until we had trains that began to need to have schedules. I mean, I guess you could make an argument for maybe, um, you know, the stage coaches, stage coaches and, yeah. and things like that. But boats, but, but still the schedule wasn't as like, wasn't as exacting. And, and, like, it, and I think that's an interesting way to look at it is how tight our schedules have gotten. We um, now have an atomic clock that we are all synchronized to. All of our devices basically are gonna are gonna click to, you know, noon at the same time. Yeah, your, your, the security on your computer. If your computer clock goes off by a little bit, your Kerbero security breaks and you no longer are valid, right? And it's all based on does your clock work? Is your clock perfect on your computer? I mean. We are so connected to time. Milliseconds matter to everyone's daily life now. Oh yeah, I just, you'd, you'd see it in like the 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 pace of everything. Just uh, you know, emails instead of snail mail, and uh, and uh, like uh, like think of stock transactions. Right back in the day, you'd have to have like a piece of paper that you'd hand to somebody else, and that's how you bought and sold stock. Now it all happens in milliseconds. It's all or over the computer. Or something as simple as when we were growing up, we would go play and it was stuff like, well, when the sun comes down, come home. Or when you see the um, when you see the streetlights turn on, come home. Right. Where now it's like, I'll text you when dinner's ready. And, or, <laughs> right. I mean, That's and this right. is to a kid. Yeah. I'll text you yeah. when dinner's ready. And uh, it's just a completely different. Our, our idea of time has shifted. So much from when you go from the Romans, which you know, all the way forward. I would say before oh. the Romans, the Gre the, the Egyptians, all the way to now. There's just so much we could talk about. And, and okay. I was thinking about that when I was uh, looking at this whole detecting of gravity waves and how it messes with time and space. All right, uh, that was a, that was a long walk, but I think we got to a topic that we could get into. Just. Um, you know, the meaning of time or how time was used or perceived all throughout history and then more specifically when we were kids versus today and i think it also might be true like if, if i gotta think that if i was a six-year-old today i'm not gonna care so much about you know what time of day it is you think um, i so, disagree so I, I think a piece of that is just just inherent in the child experience right just being a kid means you don't care so much but 
you could prove me wrong. I, I challenge you to come up with some examples where there's a six six year old that's uh, really nervous about uh, about being late for things. So it wasn't my it wasn't a six year old, but uh, my nephew, I think when he was eight, we gave him a smartwatch. Okay, like a kids designed smartwatch, like a Disney little smartwatch. So yep. they knew what time it was, and they knew when they had to be somewhere, and they knew, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that know, was, I, that's a digital clocks. Yeah, that's true. The more I that mean, those came out, I mean, honestly, my kids they could read uh, an analog clock, but it took it took effort. <laughs> it took <laughs> that's effort. True. That's true. It's like I mean, uh, I remember sitting in like preschool. I can actually have rem- I can remember preschool looking and learning how to read a clock. And there was no digital. It was analog. Yeah. And yeah. I will tell you the thing that I can confuse um, I can confuse people of a certain age just by saying, well, it's 10 to 10. Yeah. <laughs> or quarter of. <laughs> and and people are like, what are you talking about? What is 10 to, what is quarter of? You know, it's 945. Oh, well, why did you say 945? And where we still have in our head this picture of a clock. When you say time, right? You and I both sit there and we know where the big hand is and where the little hand is. And we are relative to where we are on that picture of a clock. And they just see the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I can see it. It's, it's, it's a different uh, a different uh, way of experiencing your development as a kid, right? If you don't have to rely on these uh, on these on these analog clocks and you're, you're surrounded by all these digital clocks, then that's just that, that's what gets into your head all right well uh do you have anything else to talk about yeah no that's it all right well so my question to anyone listening to us is do you have anything you would like us to talk about yeah yeah reach out to us on our instagram or our facebook page i used to know i used to know pod um twitter or just email us right i mean i'm scott at i used to know.com and i am steve at i used to know.com yeah, and we would love to hear you or hear from you, hear any ideas you have for us. Um, some things that, uh, some news articles, just pass us the articles and we'll we'll do a little discussion around them. And we also want to hear if you enjoy this new format, right? Yeah, yeah, this is a, this is a departure from what we used to do, from what we used to know. And, um, and uh, I, it's kind of a, a way for everybody to see how Scott and I would just kind of like bounce ideas off each other until we came up with an idea of what we would do for the big show. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, send us a, send us a note, send us an email, let us know how you think things are going. Yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you again to everyone for listening to us. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Threes and eights, everyone. And I hope you guys have a great week. All right. Bye everybody. <laughs>